We here at Sports Best Friends acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land, water and sky throughout Australia on which we record. We recognise their strength, diversity, resilience and deep connection to country. We pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future as they hold the memories, knowledge and spirit of Australia. Into your way with the Premiership! Hello and welcome back to the Big Cat Chat podcast, a podcast all about the Penrith Panthers. My name is Jack Martin and I am your host. Uh, Before we get started, I would just like to congratulate my co-host Nat Sinclair, or Nat Hanrahan as she's now known, on her wedding over the weekend to her lovely partner James. Congratulations to you both and I wish you a lifetime of health and happiness. And I'm very excited for Nat to come back on the show so I don't have to just talk to myself. Now, as I'm sure all of you know, the Penrith Panthers absolutely destroyed the Canberra Raiders 53-12 last Friday night down in cold, cold Canberra. Uh, What a performance it was. It felt like the first time this year our attackers really clicked. It was still a bit clunky. The first half itself was pretty tight. I believe, what, Penrith had a seven-point lead going in at halftime? Uh, it felt like we were kind of trying to overplay our hand at times. Edwards was getting really involved, which for once wasn't really helping. Um, but we were just a bit more clinical this time. It felt like some of those chances that we've kind of let go to waste in front of the try line over the first four rounds, it wasn't really there. Um, you know, that first try to River was just excellent. Straight up, Nathan Cleary eyes up, seeing Sebastian Chris out of position, early kick in. Tungo, it looks like what he did was easy, but it was just, it was simple, but it's very easy to stuff that up, I think. Just straight to Taruba, what a try. Then the second try, what about that, huh? That just, like, it looked like I was watching, like, touch footy highlights or something. That was incredible, the way the boys were keeping the ball alive. Taruba summed it up beautifully with that grubber and chase. A lot of the time, the best result you kind of get from that is a repeat set, possibly. But he was the only one chasing it through. And it was, yeah, just lovely to see. Uh, Canberra were not very good. They they had an early fight. You know, it was promising from them very early on. What is it, the first set of the game where that Nathan kick was charged down or hit uh, Wolford? I think it was Wolford. And things were looking all right for them. Um, they, what, we were up 12-0 when they ended up scoring. It was a pretty decent try. Elliot Whitehead, that sums him up as a player, but the fight just sort of fell away from them. And what, we scored seven tries in the second half? The first time we've hit 50 points, I believe, since the Dubbo game against the Rabbitohs in 2021. Like, that was so long ago that Matt Burton was scoring a hat-trick for us. Um, Because traditionally, we're not that team to put 50 on people, really. Uh, I believe we flogged the Warriors in a game last year. I think we only, like, just reached 40, perhaps. But that, that's just not us. Um, it was good to see the defence was still there. You know, that second try was purely just from an error on our own goal line. Um, Edwards, I thought, actually did really well with his hands to take that kick in the first place. But then just wrapped the ball up going into contact, son. Um, not the greatest there, but that's all right. It didn't matter at all in the end. Um, slightly concerning... James Fisher-Harris has been injured and I don't believe there's any confirmation 
as of yet as to how long he'll be out for. I know he's not playing this week, but indications during the game seem to be that he was actually okay and they just, as a precaution, didn't want to run him out. I'm hoping that's what the same is this week. You know, it's a long season. We don't want to risk them. Um, yeah, as I was saying, Taruva, just how good has he been so far this season? You know, I thought Taylor May, she's not Tyrone, I thought Taylor May was going to be a much bigger loss than he has been. And I still think he's a fantastic player and probably one of the premier wingers in the competition. But Taruva has just fit this team like a glove. And it was nice to see all the hard work and all the shit work that he does for our team pay off for him with getting a few glamorous plays in and scoring some tries and being the hero. Because I think he really deserved that. And the man inside him, Isaac Tungor, man of the match in my opinion. What a player he was. Probably, like... I don't know. We, that, I, I feel like he, he obviously is never going to get picked this year instead of Origin. That would be ridiculous to even suggest so. But out of the players playing centre that are eligible for New South Wales, he's probably the most in form, I'd say. Or actually, may, maybe not compared to like Swilly, but I'd say like he's probably the best option if you were if Brad Fittler were to pick actual centres, but he doesn't do that, so that's completely irrelevant. Um, and I don't think he should be picked anyway. Everyone knows that it should be Mitchell and Trevojevic there. Um, Nathan Cleary got six M points. Very good to see. I, like I said, I thought Tungwa was actually our best player throughout the match. But I'm not mad at him getting six M points. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, this is the season where he gets the M. He's deserved it. He's probably been the best player in the competition over a three-year period and somehow has missed out on the Dallingham each season. Um, you know, the reasons for him missing out on all three are valid. Actually, not all three. 2020, he should have got it. That was bullshit. Uh, but the last two years, valid. Um, but overall, if you look across a three-year period, he's probably the best player. So, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this year he gets it, because he deserves it. What a player he is. We would be so lost without him. Tyrone Peachy scored a try on his return for the club. Um, never said a bad word about his signing personally. I never did, I swear. Do not look through my tweets. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, look, I was sceptical about him coming back. And I'm not going to completely write all that off straight away just because he scored a try in a 41-point win. But, you know, hopefully that's a sign of things to come if he makes his way back into the 17 which I know he hasn't been picked in the 17 this week, but I would like to see that potentially happen fairly soon. Um, it'd be a bit cruel, but I would like to see him come into the team for our actual number 17, who scored the final try of the game and got his revenge on Ricky Stewart. Uh, Jamin Salmon, who was in doubt throughout the week. I heard he injured his finger in training and there were reports he wouldn't be in. I mean, there were also reports that Liam Martin would be back, which proved to be completely false anyway. So, you know. But, yeah, it was nice to see. Very, very, very obvious what it was that he shouted when he scored that try. Um, and, of course, you know, just as the sun rises and sets each day, uh... Ricky Stewart's mates in the media, namely Paul Kent, have been absolutely defending him and 
flipping the blame back on Penrith, back on Jamin Salmon, back on Ivan Cleary, on the club as a whole, especially since Ivan labelled it as good karma. I, I just... I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about these germs in the media because we know exactly what they're doing. They're just making shit up to either defend their mate or to create outrage so that people will, like me, will talk about it or will reshare it and will get more clicks on their articles, all that stuff. We know how it works. But to act like Ivan Cleary was out of line to even make a comment on it and not take the high road when Ricky Stewart in the first place what made these comments in a press conference about an out of uh, an uh, out of contract player about his character like that, giving him no right of reply, like to act like what Ivan did was worse is just beyond ridiculous. Surely these people in the media know that they're completely talking out of their ass at this point. Like what what's going on? I don't understand. I mean, I do understand. It's just it's frustrating and. Look, the sooner we get these people out of our game, the better. You know, I want to see Big T and Nat on Fox League, not Paul Kent, uh, not Buzz Rothfield, even though he kind of defended Penrith in this case, which was really interesting. You know, not James Hooper or Crawley. I can't even remember his first name. He's completely irrelevant anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, that was it was... We knew it was coming, and it's annoying to see it come, but... Oh, well, at the end of the day, the Penrith Panthers are the team that won the game by 41 points. So, hallelujah, let's celebrate that, huh? I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's tees. Some news coming out of Pantherland. And Moses Leota has signed a new deal with the club. He will stay until, I believe, the end of the 2027 season, which is fantastic news. It's so securing as a Penrith fan to see that we have Moses Leota, James Fisher-Harris, Isaiah Yo, Nathan Cleary, Brian Toto, all locked up for long-term futures, including our coach, Ivan Cleary. You know, it, it, bright things to come. All those players are either in their peak or are about to enter their peak, which is a scary, scary thought. It's interesting. Some people have been making the point about what does this say for the future of Scott Sorensen, which I do think is a very good point. Uh, we know that there have been offers from Newcastle I believe Newcastle at one point wanted him immediately and apparently they've offered him a big contract for next year, which would be a disappointment. Sorensen is a very important part of our team. We've seen his versatility and his value off the bench and then last week going back onto an edge and making it look like he hadn't even been away. But, you know, he's not the most important part of our team, salary cap-wise. So I understand why he wouldn't be prioritised. It would be a real shame to see him go. Uh, I think Spencer Lenu leaving will really help that. Um, you know, probably free up some cash for him. But we can't forget that when Sorensen signed for Penrith, he was a free agent because Cronulla had let him go. And now he's a New Zealand international. So he was already going to be earning more money. But now that's probably increased by a lot. 
So this is very, very interesting. I would love to see him stay. I completely understand if he does leave because go on, take that cash, King. But please don't leave. I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very interesting. And But, you know, there's a bright future anyway. You know, Liam Henry, what re-signed two weeks ago, we saw Lindsay Smith was very good for Penrith in the game on the weekend. Uh, Matt Eisenhuth is still kicking around at the age of 137 and still does a serviceable job. You know, he's not my my favourite player to see on the team list, but he's not exactly error-prone or anything like that. He's not quite a penalty magnet or anything. Just not quite as dynamic as the rest of the team, but that's okay. So, yeah, having Mozzie locked up is beautiful. You know, I he doesn't get the raps he deserves. I think he is in the argument for a top five or six prop in the NRL. If he wasn't playing next to James Fisher-Harris every week, I think people would notice it a lot more. He was incredible in that grand final last year. He was the hitman. Without him, I don't think we blow them out to that lead that we did. I think we still win, probably, but that's because... We were never going to lose that game. But the work he did in that early part of the game when it was tight, to just absolutely beat the piss out of everyone in a yellow jersey who ran anywhere near him was beautiful. And that's, you know, that's understating his role with the ball as well. He carries really well. He runs the ball like his life depends on it. And that's why we see him get results sometimes with he scores a decent amount of tries for a front rower, especially one that's not considered like a skillful ball-playing front row or anything like that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, when Moses first came into the team in 2016, I wasn't that impressed. I thought he was slightly overrated and that he was just a kid who got through based on his size because he's an absolute mountain. And that he, you know, sort of rested on that and didn't really develop that well as a player. But how wrong have I been? His development over the years from... He's pretty much consistently stayed in the team. You know, he was a bit of a reserve at first, then a permanent bench player. And then since Tamo left, he has just overtaken that role and become a starter. And I don't think people realise how much of a jump that is. Like, everyone knows it's a 17-man game now. And so the bench gets, you know, almost as many minutes as the starters. So it's not really that much of a drop down compared to what it used to be. But I think the front row, it probably is still the biggest drop out of all the positions. Because what happens if you're a bench front rower is when you come on, you're playing against the other bench front rowers. You know, it's very rare that you have to start a game against like a Josh Papali'i or a Joseph Tarpany or a Jarab Warrior Hargreaves or Junior Paolo. Uh, I was going to throw Regan Campbell-Gillard in there, but nah, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, you've, you come up against a Wiramu Greg or a Pasami Sala, who are very good players, but they're not at that top level. And so to see the way that he kind of just seamlessly transitioned into that role was excellent to see. And we've heard before from people like Gus Gould on his podcast about how much of a worker and how much of a great work ethic Moses has. You know, when he came to the club over from New Zealand, he was staying in a caravan uh, at the in the backyard of, like, a relative's house in Mount Druid or something like that. And he was working as a brickies labourer and he would come to under-20s training every day on time, but, you know, covered in, you know, just dirt and dust and concrete and 
with his hands cut and bloodied and everything like that because he was just working so hard. And he was never late to training or anything like that, but he was just wearing himself out. So the club got him a job at a local car dealer where he got a job detailing cars. And Gus was saying that he called up the uh, owner of the dealership after a few weeks to say, how's that kid going that we sent to you? And he said, do you have any more like him? We've never had cars this clean. Which just, like, it goes to show the work ethic and the attitude of a guy like Moses Leota. And he has earned every single thing that he's gotten in first grade. I remember in 2018 when he went over to New Zealand with the War- uh, with the Panthers to play the Warriors in a game where we did ultimately get pumped, but he surprised his mum during his time off on the trip, rocked up to her house and gave her keys to a new car. And it's things like that, which is so lovely to see. You can see what a genuine family man he is as well. Uh, it's sometimes, it's a bit of a struggle in rugby league or in world sport in general at a professional level to see someone and go, you can tell you're actually a nice person because sometimes the assholes shine through. But Moses is definitely a wonderful person who I'm just so happy for. He said that he never wants to leave the club and I hope that never happens. This will take him through to, I think, 11 seasons as a Panther. Hopefully he can get another contract after that and just be a Panther for life because, yeah, I love him and I hope he stays forever. (laughs) Now, Penrith Stadium. What's going to happen with that, huh? Who knows? It's been, the whole thing has been a mystery ever since it was announced. It was really weird. We never got to see any renders of what the stadium will look like or anything. We never got confirmation as to where it was going to be. At first, the stadium was going to get knocked down. And so the club advertised that it was the last season at our first home and that we're going to play at Parramatta for two years. That ended up not happening because the club, well, the, the government, wanted the stadium to be built on the site of the Penrith Paceway, which for those who don't know, is across the road, across Ransley Street from the stadium. Because in, I believe 2019, the Penrith Racing Club or whatever they're called, members voted to move from that site to somewhere else because they wanted to sell that land for real estate purposes, I believe, which would make perfect sense because it's, I mean, to them, it would make perfect sense because of the location, that place would be worth a lot of money. But the council did not want real estate there, especially high-rise, I believe. And so they refused to zone it for that purpose. And I believe the council, along with the state government, and then I'm not sure what involvement the Panthers had in this, wanted the stadium built there. So that way Penrith could continue playing there and that they could put that there. Which I understand, and in a weird way, I kind of would have preferred because that way I wouldn't have to go to Parramatta every second week to watch Penrith play, even though Combank Stadium is a lovely stadium and Parramatta is not that far. But having it stay in Penrith, yeah, much more convenient, of course. But who knows what's happening now? So we never 100% got confirmation. There was word that we were going to get confirmation as soon as the new year ticked around because some agreement with the land was going to end or something like that. Never happened. A lot of uh, business owners and employees from a few of the little small businesses on that site 
have said they have no idea what's going on. So, of course, the general public isn't going to know what's going on then. So it is interesting. I have, like, especially now, uh, the election, the New South Wales state election, for those who don't know, was held and Liberal, uh, the Liberal Party was in government in New South Wales. They have lost the election. I'm so good with these technical terms, aren't I? They have lost the election and Labor is now in control. And Penrith itself, Stuart Ayres, who was the Minister for Sport and Western Sydney, who was part of the Liberal Party, of course, if he was a minister, was, yet yeah, the Minister for Penrith as well. And he has lost his seat. So it's been, it, it threw up a lot of questions straight away from Penrith fans about, will we get a stadium? I'm not going to air my political views on this podcast. That's not what this podcast is for. Um, but, you know, I do think there are a lot more important things than Penrith getting a new stadium. It would be lovely, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Because Chris Minns, the new Premier of New South Wales, has confirmed that the Labor government is committed to spending up to $300 million on a new stadium or a redevelopment for Penrith Stadium, but will not spend a cent more. Now, I don't think that's too unreasonable personally, and I'm happy with that because I don't necessarily think Penrith needs a new stadium. Obviously, the facilities need upgrading, of course. I would like to, I know the club would like to see more corporate facilities because that generates match day income for them. Because from what I can tell, the club doesn't actually generate that much income on match days with what they have, which is understandable from a stadium that was built in the 60s, upgraded in the 80s, and then 2006. Makes sense. But I would also like to see more roof coverage. Um, You know, it really, it really affects the crowds when there's bad weather. Like whether that's the crowd numbers of people turning up all the people who are there who have to sit out in these conditions, especially at the bloody World Club Challenge. Um, <laughs> like we've seen, Penrith have played a few rainy games already this season and the crowd on both times has been affected. We've seen a lot of people leaving early, a lot of people just not turning up, which isn't really reflective of how the crowds at Penrith have been the past couple of years. Um, you know, how can the bandwagoners go to the games if it's raining? Uh, so I would like to see some upgrades there. Perhaps, you know, I don't know, knock down one of the stands and rebuild it. Um, That'd be nice to see. And then upgrades to things like the toilet facilities. I don't think there's enough toilets and they're quite small, aside from the ones in the Eastern Grandstand, which are pretty long. But that being said, there's only one male and female toilet in that stand, I believe. Um, Then the food facilities, uh, you know, they're, they're good. I actually think Penrith's food and drink facilities decent they offer decent food and drink especially for what you get at a stadium they don't try and be too fancy or something that they're not which we see from a lot of stadiums and ends up being crap they're not too expensive either like they're still pricey of course but nothing compared to some of the other grounds especially in sydney but there's not enough of them and as such the lines are actually quite ridiculously long i think having the food trucks there definitely helps but it doesn't take away from the main problem. Um, I really like what we see in modern stadiums with the big wide open concourses. And I would love for that to be implemented in some sort of new stadium or new stand. Uh, Because for those of you who also sit in the Eastern stand, 
you'll know how just you just have to stand around and wait after the game if you want to leave because that concourse gets absolutely filled because it's far too narrow. And everyone knows that just under the upper part of the Eastern Stand, there's a much wider concourse, but there's only two entrances from it because there's a bloody brick wall in the way. So if they could do something with that, that would be very good, I believe. Um, yeah, it's up in the air what's going to happen. I would love some sort of upgrade. I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of the hill. Uh, I know a lot of people are and get quite nostalgic about it. But when it comes to facilities at stadiums, I think you need to keep moving forward and you can't afford to be filled with nostalgia. Otherwise, every ground is going to look like Leichhardt or Brookvale, which you can have fond memories of, but belong in New South Wales Cup, you know? If you want to go sit on the hill, go to a Newtown Jets game. That's my opinion. I sat on the hill all of last year, and that was purely because my membership auto-renewed and they changed the system, which meant I could no longer get a seat. And I didn't enjoy it. You know, it's not the greatest view of the games. So you can't really watch what's happening properly. Um, I wanted to be able to, you know, have a beer at the game as well, which means I have to be on the alcohol hill, which was just filled with a bunch of dickheads, to be honest, especially in the end that I was at. There was troubles every week from new people who have rocked up to start supporting Penrith now that they're winning People that, you know, I see around my age and I think, you weren't there when Luke Walsh was our halfback, you know, in their brand new jerseys or not even in a jersey at all. And they don't know any of the players. Their favourite player is Great Northern. And they just get pissed and cause a ruckus and it just takes away from everyone's enjoyment, in my opinion. And who knows, maybe I'm just old and grumpy. Um, but, yeah, I... I'm not a fan of the hills, so if they were to go, I would be very happy with that, to be honest. So yeah, it, it's it's all up in the open. Who knows? We're, we're probably never going to get anything, to be, to be honest, because we still haven't heard anything official, and it's probably going to be another couple of years away if it's ever going to happen, and there'll be another election by then anyway, so there'll be new priorities. But hopefully we get something, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, please just some confirmation from anyone. <laughs>
you know, KO Weeks has the ability to come on and play at hooker. We saw him do it last weekend, and he pretty much instantly got a try for his team, which was very good to see. Uh, so I'm not really sure what Carl Lawton's role is going to be in the team. You know, they have Sean Kepi who will play front row, and Ethan Bullimore, who can play on the bench. I know Lawton actually is quite versatile, and we've seen him play at centre before, but it's not really his role, so I'm not sure why they haven't, or if they will move someone else into the team. We might see, you know, the great Aaron Woods playing his first game for the Manly Sea Eagles. Uh, from a Penrith point of view, um, our entire back line is exactly the same. James Fisher-Harris is out after that injury uh, on the weekend. Matthew Eisenhoof comes into the team wearing the number 10. Uh, would have, I, I thought that Lindsay Smith did enough to earn a starting role, but that's okay. I understand you want to go with the experienced player. Uh, Scott Sorensen is still on an edge where he was last week, which I'm not mad about at all. I thought he was excellent, to be perfectly honest. And you know, it's thrown up a few question marks about how the team's going to look into the future anyway. I quite like him there. And Zach Hosking is on the other side. And look, I haven't talked about him yet. How good has Zach Hosking been since he's come into this team? He has been excellent. He scored two tries in two games. And he's gotten through his work. He's been in danger with the ball. He's been a hitman without the ball. And he's just been a consistent performer, which we've, we've lacked in our back row this year. You know, Luke Garner and Liam Martin both had tough starts to the season. And Zach Hosking has been the best player out of all of them, and Jamin Salmon, since he's come into this team. And I'm, you know, obviously Garner and Martin are both injured at the moment. That's why they're not in this team. But I'm really glad to see Zach Hosking take this role with both hands. And I think he's there to stay. You know, I think that once Martin is back, we could see him go to that Scott Sorensen role on the bench and Sorensen stay where he is because he's just a bit, Sorensen's a bit more dynamic and I think he can play that role a bit better. And Liam Martin, I think his best position, I was saying that last year as well, is in the middle. And obviously he's not going to get a start in the middle with Fisher-Harris, Leodar and Yo when all three are fit. So there's nothing wrong with that role that Sorensen was playing. He was pretty much playing that role a couple of years ago anyway when he got picked in State of Origin. And he played that role for the Blues and was excellent. And then when he got picked to start on the right edge for the Blues, he wasn't quite the same. So I would like to see us I'd like to see him go back to that. It just simplifies his game plan. It keeps him doing the stuff that he's good at. Because we've seen him fumble a few balls near the try line this year and stuff like that. And I feel like he's just trying to overplay his hand a little bit. And that's not the Liam Martin that we love and that we enjoy. So I'd like to see him go back to that, to be honest. But anyway, Sonny Luke is back on the bench. Good to see after his 11-day uh, period, mandatory sit-down period after failing his HIA against Parramatta. So glad to see him back and fit and healthy. Lindsay Smith is still on the bench, which, yeah, I, I mean, as I said, I thought he earned a starting call-up given he played big minutes on the weekend, but he has more than earned his way back into this team to stay. He was excellent last weekend. He did two plays in the game, both amazing effort plays. One that stopped a try, that one where he grabbed a hold of Fogarty and then Tungle came over and hit him and dislodged the ball as he was about to score. Because Tungle doesn't get there on time if Smith doesn't slow him down. 
And then when he chased through on that grubber, caught it, and then passed it to Cleary to score. Untouched, I believe, next to the post. It was just perfect. It was it was another effort play. And those are the things you want to see from your front rollers. You know, you do the simple stuff right. You put in the efforts and you will get rewarded. It will just pop up for you. And so that was excellent to see. I was really happy with him. And that felt like it was probably his best game in first grade so far. I think he's played about five games before that. He was always solid, didn't really get enough minutes to really show what he can do, but on the weekend, he was excellent. And we can see, you know, he'll be a more than handy Spencer Lenu replacement. Spencer Lenu, who, of course, is the next player on the bench, once again, just doing his thing, coming on in his cameos, being the Tassie devil, as Nat used to call him, and just tearing through shit. And then Jamin Salmon on the bench, who obviously is there as cover for the back line in the HIA era, but can more than do a job in the back row if he needs to. So that's good to see. Uh, Tyron Peachy, of course, dropped back to the bench. And as I said, I would like to see Tyron Peachy at one point replacing Jamin Salmon, but Salmon exactly hasn't done anything wrong, aside from that first game where he was a bit tired and sleepy and wasn't there for a drone law I passed, but that's okay. So to sum it up, I think Penrith's team is looking, you know, much better than it was even a week ago. Uh, Fisher-Harris being injured is a worry. Uh, Matt Eisenhurst, you know, he never lets us down. So I would probably prefer him in the team over someone like an Eddie Blacker at the moment. But I wouldn't be mad if we saw a late shuffle and Lindsay started and Eisenhurst either dropped to the bench or dropped out of the side for Blacker. But either way, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, we, we seem to have gotten our groove back last week. We've never... I don't think we've conceded more than two tries in any of our games so far, which is, you know, very positive to see from my point of view. So I think we can continue that. You know, we know how to play against this Manly team as well. They haven't exactly troubled us for a long time now. You know, like even with the return of Jason Saab, we know that you just you bomb it to him on the last, tackle him as soon as he gets it, and force Tom Travojevic to take that tackle one hit up, which isn't his strength. And we, you just limit him to that and you tire him out with those because the more you do that, the more you limit his opportunities to pop up in a good position with the ball later on. We haven't played this team when they've had Schuster at 5'8", I don't believe, and he is a big worry, but I think we can more than handle him. You know, we are the best defensive team in the comp, but he's a player that you, you do have to worry about. And of course, Cherry Evans is always great. I have liked what Jake Dravojevic has been doing this year since he's moved back to the front row. And it's seemingly as if he's had his passing license taken off him, which I think that just, you know, once again, like with Liam Martin, it takes away from him doing too much with the ball. You know, he's not a passer. He's not the player that everyone made out like he was for years, that he's this amazing ball-playing lock. That's just not him. I'm not sure that Josh Alloyer is that either. So... I'm not sure why he exactly placed 13 for the team, but Drojevic has actually been a very good player for them this year. I think he would. I think he's earned an Origin call-up once again, which, you know, for a couple of years I was saying that he shouldn't even be in the team. So it's good for him that he's turned it around, and it's a good test for our front row, for Leota to step up now without Fisher-Harris and to do that job against what? It's him and Sipley in the front row, isn't it? No, no. Why did I say Sibley? It is Taniela Paseca. There we go. 
Who is Sipley? Do they have a, oh, Sipley's the 18th man. Okay, I was about to say, they have someone named Sipley. Anyway, it's it's him. It's, yeah, a good... I'm waffling here, aren't I? It is a good opportunity for Moses Leota to make a statement and show everyone what he can do without James Fitzgerald there alongside him. And hopefully this week we will finally see Sonny Luke get to play longer minutes in the team. We could see that was the plan against Parramatta when he came on when he did a lot earlier than he had been previously. And unfortunately, it got knocked out pretty much straight away. So hopefully this time he does. You know, that was slightly concerning for me how he got concussed. I know that can happen to anyone, of course. And, you know, I am absolutely no concussion expert, so I'm probably completely talking out of my ass here. But those, you know, there were concerns about him, about his size and his ability to get thrown around and hurt. And that's why it's taken him so long to actually come into first grade. Because everyone can see, skill-wise, tactically, speed, everything. He's got it all. He's just lacking in size. So hopefully he can stay a bit more protected against that sort of stuff. Because he, even though our attack did click last week, Mitch Kenny didn't overplay his hand at all, which was good to see. But he still had zero run meters. Which, you know... We didn't require him to run, but it would have been good to see him do at least a few. So it, it just it just showed to me still that we need that that double pivot role with the hooker. And, you know, Kenny either comes off or stays on and plays in the middle and Sonny Luke comes on, which I think we will see more of that anyway now that there's need for an extra middle because we have Matt Eisenhuth in the team. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the two of them out there at the same time. And hopefully, yeah, Sonny Luke just plays more and more minutes. But yeah, to sum it up, I think I think Penrith win reasonably comfortably here. You know, I, I, I can see us limiting them to two tries. Maybe, yeah, 10 or 12 points is what they'll get. And I can see Penrith scoring at least 20 on this team. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brian Toto and Stephen Crichton get a few in. Uh, it was nice to see Crichton have some, you know, fortunate plays for himself. He created them. It wasn't just fortunate. But some good luck go his way towards the end of that game on the weekend because he was having a shocker in the first half. So that was good to see. And I think we will get a lot of love if we do target that edge that Ruben Garrick is on. Similar to Dom Young last year. I actually really... Last week, sorry. I actually really rate Ruben Garrick as a player. But it's... Yeah, that edge looks weak. And I think that's a target right there, especially with the height of Stephen Crichton. If we can get some kicks in across to him, similar to Dom Young last week, and he can either take them himself and score, or he can bat them back down for Toto. Yeah, it'd just be it'd be good to see. I I think I'm not going to put money on this because I'm too much of a tight ass to bet, but I'm going to say Brian Toto and Dylan Edwards will both score tries down that edge. And Stephen Crichton will set up at least one. That's my prediction, along with Penrith winning, I'm going to say, 30 points to 10. Yeah, that's what I'll go with. Uh, so let me let me know what you guys think will happen. You know, are you guys as confident as me? Do you think we'll win by even more? Do you think we'll win by less? Do you think we'll lose? I'd like to see what you guys have to say about this.
You're listening to the Big Cat Chat podcast on the Sports Best Friends Network. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Big Cat Chat podcast. If you would like to follow us on the socials, you can find us on Instagram at Big Cat Chat and on Twitter at Big Cat Chat Pod. Make sure to get on there. Tell us your thoughts about anything that's happened throughout the week. You know, what do you think about this Ricky Stewart situation? Is Ivan not so Mr. Nice Guy? You know, what do you make of Sonny Luke being back? Do you think we're going to win? Will we get a new stadium? Any of your thoughts, just hit us up and we're happy to chat about it. And if not, I will see you again next time. Bye. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present.